happy October, ladies. Is is it too early to talk about the holidays? I hope not, because it's kind of too bad if it is, because today <laughs> is the day we begin to prepare, because they are coming, guys. Last year's holiday season was so different, and, and many of us stayed away from family gatherings and big Christmas parties and big work events. But this year, we're warming up to things looking a little bit more, I don't know, dare I say normal? And, you know, as much as the holidays are romanticized, I think we can agree that they're also a breeding ground for the B word, burnout. <laughs> oh, that B word. That B word. <laughs> uh, and first, before we go Sorry, into- I just didn't know where you're going there for a second. <laughs> before we go into it any more, let's hear a word from our sponsors over at Higher Echelon. Oh, I would love to talk about Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is an award-winning Salesforce implementation partner. So if you are struggling with Salesforce, maybe because you don't have time to figure out its many complexities and make sure that you're actually getting the value out of the platform that you know is there, reach out to Higher Echelon. Salesforce does not have to be so hard for you and your organization. Let the pros come in and quickly get you up and running and achieving all of those benefits that Salesforce offers. There are 365 days in most years and about 365,000 ways to experience burnout. Sometimes it feels like 364,000 of them all converge around the holiday season. So whether it's this time of year, right in Christmas season, or any other time of year, my first question, ladies, is what are some things that lead y'all to intense burnout? I was thinking back on my career and, well, life and career, about the times that I have been in just really intense burnout. And the truth is, it's been different things that have led to it. Uh, at one point, it was because I really felt just had that nagging feeling all the time that I wasn't on the right path and I wasn't where I was supposed to be. And this just, it, it, it wasn't a terrible job. It, it just wasn't the right path. And I couldn't shake that feeling. And so that was one time I felt really burned out. Another time, and I kind of want to take this one up in a episode sometime, but it's the Delta bad hand situation. And that just sometimes happens. You get Delta bad hand. In my case, I had two bosses in succession that for different reasons entirely were not good. Not good for me, not good for anybody else in the whole office. And I just... Gosh, that tone at the top thing really is real. And it rolled down to the whole office. And we were just, including me, all so burned out. And, you know, the other time I think about it, I think I wasn't, I wasn't well. I mean, I, I was pregnant. um, So I guess I shouldn't say I wasn't well, I just wasn't, I wasn't in my normal state of health. And I wasn't used to that. I, I didn't know how to you know, it's my first pregnancy. I'm like, what? I don't, I'm used to feeling so vigorous and tons of energy all the time. And I remember one day I just went home in my, in my, I was in the military at that time, went home in my uniform, lay down with my purse on my shoulder on the couch and woke up an hour later with my purse on my shoulder. <laughs> and I, <laughs> oh, Rachel, you remember those days. And I, I was just so physically tired uh, and wasn't used to that. And I felt so burned out. I suppose the other time was in politics. And that's, if I zoom out a little bit and kind of think about what are the things that would make anybody in any career field burned out, 
it was that feeling of walking on a tightrope all the time and always having to be on and always having to say just the right thing. And if you didn't say just the right thing, it, you know, something was going to Liz will you know, yell some at cata- you. Yes, somebody will yell at you or there's some catastrophe. So, um, and you know, that's really common, I guess, in politics. And there were other things that made me feel burned out about that, the intellectual dishonesty and, you know, that is constantly in play in politics. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of things. But that, those, uh, it was different things that led to feeling burned out. But um, in those periods, I, it was it was pretty intense and not, and it, uh, oh, it's a drag. What about you, Rachel? Yeah, you know, I think for me, I have found the most intense burnout occurs when I take on too much and really don't have margin to do things well. So the times when I don't feel that anyone is getting the best of me, you know, maybe they're just getting a very frayed part of me. And I I think that's one of the reasons the holidays can be such a stress is, I mean, at least I know that I do. I try to pack in all these very worthy activities and commitments and joyous occasions into, you know, our family's lives where there was actually no margin for those activities to begin with. So, you know, and I think we all know that feeling of, your life, it, it's just, it has to go just so or everything falls apart. I really felt that this week it was my kids fall break and a daughter's birthday, you know, also one of my husband's busiest weeks at his job, very busy week, work week for me. And into my week plopped the extra stress of getting into a significant car crash. And, you know, we're all okay. It's all going to work out. Things happen. But there's just, you you know, there's just so much that goes with that. There's all the to-do with the insurance, rentals, getting kids checked out, dealing with all the things. So, you know, what happens when things like that eat into your margin? Well, for me, I only worked out once all week. I stayed up way too late. I usually cook every night. We ate a ton of takeout. And I, I generally feel just all bent out of shape, figuratively and literally like my car. Oh, gosh, Rachel, you've been through it this week. I guess this is a timely time to talk about this then. Um, Liz, Liz, whoa, 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 you have to answer your own question. I'm going to. Oh, I thought you were moving on. I I was going to say first, Rachel, I'm glad you're okay. (laughs) For me, and and I resonate with the things both of y'all are saying. For me, I think, Rachel, what you just said about those times when you feel like you're stretched so thin that you're not giving your best. That's a big one for me. Another one for me is, is, and this is so middle child of me guys, but like a feeling unappreciated in work and in my personal life of just like, Oh, I'm going the extra mile. Why aren't you telling me I'm going the extra mile that can really lead to a lot of burnout and burnout is, is more than just getting frustrated at work. It really has a lot of psychological and and physical uh, aspects to it too. So some of the key signs to look out for are forgetfulness and difficulty concentrating, diminished pride in your work, losing sight of yourself and your goals. Mary Scott, that sounds a lot like what you were talking about in some of your examples. It does. It does. Difficulty maintaining relationships and being present with loved ones. (laughs) Doom scrolling anyone. (laughs) Frustration and irritability with coworkers and unexplained muscle tension, pain, fatigue, and insomnia. Some of what you described, Mary Scott also talked about that. And according to the Harvard Business Review, research has also linked burnout to many negative physical and mental health outcomes, including, y'all, this is scary, coronary artery disease, 
hypertension, sleep disturbances, depression, and anxiety, as well as increased alcohol and drug use. Moreover, burnout has been shown to produce feelings of futility and alienation, undermine the quality of relationships, and diminish long-term career prospects. So maybe not not taking the risk and getting those vacations that you need are actually hurting you more than they're helping you by staying there and, and working harder than you think everybody else is. Definitely. I mean, I, I think we... I mean, there, we all know it. We all know we need a break. We all know we need to take time off. We all know we need to recharge. And yet something drives us to, to I don't know, add in the extra thing, you know, that you, now, Rachel, you didn't have the, the, the things that you added this week weren't, op, you know, that wasn't optional things that you decided to add in. It sounds like there was just a lot piled on, but I do think that while we all know we need to take a break, there's still that, I don't know, especially for high achievers, you just feel like you can't. And that's no good, clearly. It's such a catch-22 about where to spend that time. Because like I was watching a TED Talk last night with psychologist Susan Pinker, and she broke down in this very helpful chart what it takes to live longer. So she stu- her team studied over time who tends to live longer and why. And the top predictors for living a lot longer was social integration. So, you know, how often does someone interact even casually with other people? You know, it could be the mailman. It could be, you know, just talking to your neighbor for a few minutes. And then the the second biggest predictor was how close of relationships do they have? And she described that as, you know, just the handful of people that you can really count on. So when you think about that, and she said that was higher predictors than things like exercise, being being lean versus overweight, quitting smoking even, you know, getting back to this idea of the holidays, we need to be around people. We need to, you know, be around people, not just during the holidays, during our everyday life. We got to make room for people and friendships and relationships. That's what's going to keep us healthy. But if y'all are anything like me, that is always the first thing to go because it just doesn't feel like there's room for it. And I I think that is a good segue to talk about some of those holiday time specific stressors and, and things that cause and lead to burnout. I mean, I I found a good article about this on uh, best health magazine of talking about some of the reasons that this all seems to come together around the holidays and, and at a time where we're supposed to be experiencing joy and relaxation, a lot of people take a lot of time off. It becomes a, a whole big (laughs) Roman candle of burnout for a lot of families. And some of the, I, I thought some of the, the, the examples they gave were really tactical of things that you can actually try to solve. They're not just emotional issues. There are physical issues as well. They're talking about your digestive system. You, we eat, tend to eat very different differently in, in November and December than we do the rest of the year. I know I do. Um, so they say things like making sure you're getting enough fiber, making sure that, you know, while you're not uh, giving up the indulgences of the holiday season, that you're also, getting some vegetables in there every once in a while too. And that'll, that'll help you um, there with, they talk about your bank account being shockingly low because you are, you're buying presents for family. A thing that my family does and a thing that they recommend in this article is and instead of buying something for everybody doing a, uh, a drawing. So everybody buys a present for one other person and it doesn't take anything away from the fun of give, of exchanging gifts, but it makes the weeks before Christmas so much less stressful when I'm just having to buy for one person instead of let's see on my side of the family would be nine at this point. (laughs) Um, 
and then a couple other ones, things like all of the things we do in, in the holiday season that we don't do any other time of the year. I'm thinking of stuff like put Christmas lights on the house, go get a Christmas tree, having, you know, having gatherings at your house that have a theme and decorations and all this stuff that you feel like you have to get done to capture the magic of, of the, of the season aren't necessarily things. I mean, is it going to do more detriment to you or less detriment to you? And I actually know of people who have given up doing any kind of decorating for the holiday season because they realize this is causing me more pain than it, the joy of having these Christmas decorations up is actually giving me. We did that um, one so year. <laughs> if that's a boundary you need to put up, put up that boundary. Nobody's going to be like, oh, Rachel. Rachel did not put her snowman up in the front yard. How oh, I didn't see a single wreath on that house. I've been so tempted this year to be like, we're doing a destination Christmas. Kids, get in the plane. If I could get, if I could get my family on board with that, that's all we do every year. But then layer onto that, layer onto that and things like, you know, cold and flu season amps up. And it, of course, in the last two years, now we've seen cold weather means a spike in, in COVID often. So all these things really do add up, but there are ways to, to address it, these holiday specific things. But I want to talk about another holiday specific thing. Mary Scott, you've talked about this before in our personal conversations about one specific thing that happens a lot around the holiday season. And how we can mitigate some of the stressors around it. Ding um, dong. Ding dong. <laughs> Your guests have arrived. <laughs> Great. You know, I, I, I'm i glad you're, I, I do think that the holidays can just be so stressful. And, and we're moving into it because, you know, this is the end of October, November, December is holiday time. And it's stressful time of year all the way around. And I think now more than ever, our personal lives and our work lives are so intertwined. And I don't know, I mean, I'm not a, a person that puts everything in boxes. So if if things are stressful at work, they're, they're going to tend to be stressful at home. If things are stressful at home, they're going to tend to be, I don't know, I'm going to carry it everywhere I go. But on the, on the, you know, this is also the time of year when the house guests arrive or you go and uh, you are a house guest somewhere. And I've thought a lot about this. I think I want to write something about this one day about being a good house guest. Um, and I think it's probably easier here to talk about it in terms of how I, you know, how I am when I go somewhere, how I try to get my family to be when we go somewhere. I do think, I think it's important when you go and you're going to be a house guest to kind of, well, on the one hand, do a little, do some planning and preparation. But on the other hand, you you do need to be flexible because presumably you're going to be a house guest at, at somebody whom you love and the relationship is important. Um, so that's the thing to keep at the top of the list. I mean, that's triaging, you know, the order of importance of things. Your relationship with the the, the person you're going to visit is the most important but sometimes, you know, there's something that's really important to you that you may need to do or that's part of your lifestyle now that they didn't know about. And I want to, an example, my, we just had some house guests and my sister-in-law, Jody fasts from the evening to 11 a.m. the next morning. And I didn't know that. I'm not, I don't, she lives in Phoenix. I live in Huntsville, Alabama, and I didn't know she did that. And, um, but she took the opportunity to tell me that. And I was so glad because Otherwise, I would have 
not understood why she, I thought, am I not making a breakfast she likes? I mean, was, so she, but that's part of how, what she does for her health. And, and it helped us. We all, we wanted to work in a trip to Waffle House while everybody was here. And it, it, what we did is just slide that you can eat Waffle House all day long, you know, at two in the morning, you can eat Waffle House. So we slid that forward and went at 11 o'clock when she's done fasting. And so I do think, you know, there's some simple things like, you know, kind of don't put your shoes everywhere and, you know, kind of keep your stuff in where, where it goes and, you know, but also kind of like if there's something that's really important to you and you're going to be a house guest, make sure your host knows that, especially if it's a health thing like, you know, a nut allergy or something like that. But if there's some things that are really important to you, make sure they're known, but also kind of kind of mentally prepare yourself that you got to have to go with the flow a little bit. These are everybody's different. Everybody's house rules are different. Everybody's got a different approach to eating and living. And so I think if you can also keep it kind of loose um, and, and comfortable that, you know, that'll make the visit go well. And then when you leave, you feel so great about it because you've, you've just kind of put a little more currency in the bank of that relationship and you've built that relationship. And evidently from Rachel's research, you live longer. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the way I approach being a house guest. Now, you know, having house guests come in, that's, that can be trickier because being a house guest, you have control. You can decide how you want to behave. But when your house guests are coming, you know, hopefully you know them well enough that you can kind of navigate that and kind of, you know, make sure that they have what they need. But I think have a good plan. Let your plan be flexible. You know, make sure you understand what they eat. You know, I think that some of those, if you kind of really give some good thought to some of those things it can be a more rewarding and enriching experience for everyone um, but I, I also would say don't feel bad if like you're you know you're you know, you're done with the visit and you're like whoa thank <laughs> you <laughs> fish and visitors mean, fish and visitors yeah there's a saying about that you know but I think I think if you kind of keep that triage piece that your relationship is the most important thing that doesn't mean being a doormat but it does mean planning but rolling with it is my advice on how to handle that we all settle a score for me okay so my grandmother may she rest in peace was avid that if you are a house guest somewhere you strip the bed when you leave you strip the bed and you take the 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 sheets to the laundry room for the for the host I don't like it when people do it that do that at my house. I, there's something about it. I don't know. Just like seeing my bed naked just freaks me out. <laughs> Other people seeing my beds naked. <laughs> I always ask. I definitely I ask, do I, when I visit I with all my children at my parents because there's, you know, there's seven of us and that's just a lot of sheets. So I like to like, you know, when we're leaving, get all the sheets, go ahead and get a load started. If I can get one into the dryer and go ahead and be washing another one. But that's, you know, that's my parents' house. I don't know. I'm, I feel similar that, right, like if just a random guest is stripping the sheets off the bed, I don't know. I'm with you, Liz. Okay, good. I think it's still, it sounds like it's still a mix there. Thank you for sharing that with us, Mary Scott. I, I think that's a, a some really important advice to keep in mind. Um, and, and just to remember to, that there are two sides of this coin, right? Like, I don't think anybody's as comfortable at somebody else's house as they are at their own house. And, but so you can't always blame them for acting like complete weirdos either. 
Um, exactly. <laughs> so the next place that we really want to talk about this is, and we've talked about the sum is in the workplace. Here are some tips that I, um, I found from the Mayo Clinic on addressing symptoms of burnout before they get to the point where you're turning in your two week notice. And they, uh, they recommend evaluating your options by talking to your supervisor. Maybe you need something taken off your plate. Maybe you need to be on a project that's a better fit for you and your skill set. Whether you reach out to coworkers, friends, or loved ones, support and collaboration might help you cope. They, they recommend if you have access to an employee assistance program, take advantage of relevant services. A lot of companies these days have that EAP where you can go get counseling um, for no extra cost to you. Uh, they recommend try a relaxing activity, exploring programs that can help with stress, such as yoga, meditation, or Tai Chi. Get some exercise and get some sleep. And then they, they say mindfulness, which is really just another way to, to sit those, some of those uh, like meditation and that kind of thing as well. What about y'all? What are some tips that have worked for you when you're fighting burnout in the workplace? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'll just share what I struggle with. I think my constant battle is to get over this deep desire to want to please everyone. I know we, it's just so cliche. Everyone's like, you know, you can't want to please everyone. But then in the brass tacks of it, we just, we care about people. We don't want to let people down. It's probably part of what makes you a good professional if you feel that way. But, you know, I've had to think, too, that most people in your life, even beyond work, they only see a sliver of the picture, right? So with the parent organizing volunteers at their school, they don't know what your work life or responsibilities is like. Your coworkers don't know what your, your home life is like. So you might overall be such a rock star, you know, you might be killing it in your life, but you might be the only one who knows that and you have to be okay with that. You know, you might not be the linchpin in any one sliver to allude to our conversation last week with Leah. You might just be a meaningful player overall and cumulatively it adds up to you're living a quality life. So that can hit my pride and be sort of hard to set boundaries. When you're aware, you don't appear to be 100% every single category of your life. You're not the parent volunteer of the year. <laughs> you know, and it's just impossible, as we all know, depending on, you know, how many roles you have. So I do think it's absolutely crucial or you will burn to the ground. I was looking at some other statistics, Liz, maybe even from that same article, but it said that in high-pressure firms, Healthcare costs are 50% greater than at other organizations. Workplace stress is estimated to cost the U.S. economy more than $500 billion. And each year, 550 million workdays are lost due to stress on the job. They quoted a study by the APA that said that, you know, burned out employees are 2.6 times as likely to be actively seeking a different job. 63% more likely to take a sick day, 23% more likely to visit the emergency room. So, you know, it's really on all of us to honestly determine, as Leah said last week, our capacity, honestly determine a way forward that we can live with that helps us be our best, whatever that best can look like in our different slivers of life. And I just think it's a genuine struggle for everyone. But for me, you know, I've just had to come to firm grips. I have to exercise. I have to get quality sleep. I need to eat well. And I need to feel like my children are doing well and that I am there for them. And then I need to feel like I'm doing my best professionally. So if I, I can kind of hit all those things, that's a lot. But then I, then I feel pretty good. As I think about workplace stress, the one that we all think about is getting overtasked. 
and stretch thin and then you're not doing your best. I mean, that's a, to me, that's probably the most common one that, that we can think about it. You're, and it might be that you're stretched at work and stretched at home or, you know, either or both, you know, it, it, it can be any of those. But I do think there's a kind of a stress, especially in COVID times with sending everyone home that some people might feel like they don't have enough to do. And there's another kind of stress that can come from culture. There's there's stress that can be really about a person in the office that you work with. But I think if you feel burned out, uh, the hardest burnout feeling for me to solve was when I felt like I, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. That was the hardest one for me to solve because it was so nebulous. It was so, it was such a, it wasn't the one, it wasn't the thing that most people talk about with burnout. Um, oddly, I, I, I think that was the hardest one to pinpoint for me and the hardest one to figure out what to do about that. Um, I think that oddly you can get fatigue from some people are having trouble kind of feeling fully employed because COVID has them working at home and they kind of aren't as busy as they used to. And oddly, I think that can, that kind of stress of the weirdness of it all can kind of bring you to a point of burnout. And I, I, I know that sounds odd, but this is not a research answer. Rachel yours was much more researched and wonderful. And, <laughs> but I just, it's that, that's what I think that there's all these different reasons and you're going to feel burned out until you can name the reason. And I think sometimes the reason is easy to name and sometimes it can be a whole lot harder. You know, I just want to add to that, Mary Scott, it was interesting to me this week that despite all the little stresses that I was mentioning about getting in the car wreck, what you're talking about, just the nebulous stress of you have to try to name it you know, so what, 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 why am I so stressed over that whole incident? Well, there's a lot of valid reasons, but what exactly is it? Is it gratitude Mm -hmm. of being alive? Is it sadness, honestly, over my car? Is it fear now that I get out on the road, a new fear that wasn't really there before, you know, so, and I know all the experts have told us you have to name your emotions, but um, I think you're on to something, Mary Scott, that especially in those situations where you just can't figure it out, you should at least try. I think there's value in trying to, because, to, you know, that burnout feeling, that feeling of like, oh, I just, uh, I'm done here. If you can, if you can get close, if you can exactly name it, great. But if even if you can get close, if you can, well, I think it's, this or this, you know, and then start, start addressing this or this, it gets better. It does. But, but until you can kind of at least get as close as you can to what, what's causing that burnout feeling, you're not going to fix it. It's just not, you're never going to fix it. And I I think what all of y'all are saying really speaks to the fact that burnout is caused by like a matrix of issues. It's not necessarily just at work or just at family obligations or, or accidents or any of those kind of things. It, it's often those times, those things overlapping on top of each other in ways that all seem to converge at the, just the, the least opportune time. Right. Um, well, I, so the last, no, oh no, oh no. They all converge in November and December. <laughs> Seems like for me, anyway. Um, So the last part I want to talk about is when you're feeling 
burned out by not living up to some perceived ideal. I, I think you know, self quote unquote, I'm using like air quotes right now. Self care has become a thing that we talk about a lot more, but I don't, I don't know about y'all, but putting a face mask on like a, you know, a moisturizing mask on doesn't make me necessarily feel less burned out. It doesn't, it doesn't help me resolve some of these emotional issues or, or problem solve the things that I'm facing at work. It feels nice, but what are some, I guess, more practical ways that we can practice self-care in ways that are, are tangibly beneficial to our psychological and physiological needs? I think the big three, the big three come to mind for me of, well, it's just, it's almost trite, but sleep, exercise and eat good food. And by good food, tasty food, yes, but also more healthy food. I, there are, I have a, a good friend who holds me accountable. There are some days I'm stressed out and I, y'all, I just want to make a bag of popcorn for lunch and I'll text her. Her name's Vanessa. I'll say, I really want popcorn for lunch. She's like, do you want popcorn for lunch? Or do you want to have popcorn for snack later after you have a good lunch? I was like, <laughs> oh, that's a really good solution there. Because it's not saying, no, you can't have popcorn. It's just like, maybe that's not the best thing to have right now. Because it's going to make you feel worse later. You know, for me, Ray, uh, Liz, it is all about sleep. Exercise is great. Eating, eating good food, yes. But I... I find that on those days when I have had it, and usually my whole family has had it, it, it just kind of, we all get to that point when we've all just had it, it's lights out. And Rachel and I have talked about this before, but I'll, I will just ruthlessly go around. I will take away phones. I will cut off the internet. I will turn out lights and my kids are sometimes like, what the, but I just, it's time for everybody to go to sleep. And you know, oh, too much sleep can be a sign that there are problems. But what I find is that when you're just, when you're just, when you're burned out, you need to, you got to turn off. You've got to turn off and let yourself heal while you sleep. And nine times out of 10, you wake up the next morning and, you know, at least you're rested enough to start to deal with it. And sometimes it takes a few days of getting some sleep and, but you can't solve, you cannot solve a hard problem. You cannot think about why am I burned out? You know, you've got to figure that out, but you can't think about it at nine o'clock at night when you are destroyed from several months or weeks or even a day or two of, of stress, you know, high stress. You just can't solve it then. Don't try. Don't try to solve it. Just go to bed. The healthiest thing that you can do in that situation is just turn out the lights and go to sleep. I would add that, you know, I, I sometimes have to come back and ask myself, hey, Rachel, what do you like to do? <laughs> I guess I'm talking to myself in the third, oh, per, third person. Like, that makes me so sad. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 don't feel sad. But what I mean is like, I think we don't budget time or money sometimes for the things that renew and refresh us. Like, for me, I need music in my life. That is one of the primary ways that I plug into joy. And, you know, I've got Alexas in every room in the house, so I can always have music going. I've got, you know, stuff in my car. And sometimes I forget to turn it on, though. So I have to sort of be intentional. You need music. And then, you know, on the food, on the food side of things, it's funny. Like, I know we've talked about budgeting before. You know, Pepper and I, are, we just budget down to the dollar. And, you know, we had to, like, realize at some point we're like, 
we both find so much enjoyment out of going out to eat. That is our favorite thing. Like we could do without so many other things. We want to go out to eat because it's the it's just one of the main ways that we recharge and enjoy each other and find find that joy. So I would say that's the other thing is like just being realistic about what where you tend to go that that is healthy and then budgeting time and money for those things. I think everything that y'all have mentioned today and some of these resources that we'll have in the show notes are, are really, really good things to consider and and work into your toolbox of fighting burnout. There's one more, and I think it's I think it might be the most important one, on honestly. And and you know, at, at Bell Curve, our mission is to bravely model and create authentic community where we can connect, laugh, learn, grow, and find tools and inspiration to take risks and be the very best versions of ourselves. Well, wouldn't you know, some of the best advice that I found over and over and over while researching for this, uh, this episode was finding coaches, mentors, and friendships who can help you identify and activate positive relationships and learning opportunities. So I really, really hope that you can add Bell Curve Podcast as part of your toolkit to beating burnout. And I know that Rachel and Mary Scott have been huge, huge, huge help to me in the last several months and, and years at this point, as um, we have faced the the ups and downs of life uh, together. So I'm so thankful for y'all and so thankful for this opportunity to, to talk about, I think, a thing I think a lot of people are struggling with right now. So with that, please listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Share us with a friend, leave a review. It'll really help us get in front of more more people. Have a good one. And back at you, kid. <laughs> Absolutely back at you. Oh.